the Hockey Podcast Network. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink when along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Brett, Hall, Cortnall, Campbell, Cujo, Jenny, Oates, Brown, Chase, Gure, Zombo, Sezzle, Butcher, Shanny, Tilly, Tuttle, Sutter, Twister, Turcot, Kimball, Turgeon, Baron, Bassin, Pronger, Pearson, Bergevin, Bozon, Al McKinnis, Crab, Chuck, Howard, Chuck, Petrovicki, Pellerin, Dimitra, Yate, Corson, Conrad, Gretzky, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup near 52, man, gimme a let's go blue. Aloha and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city in the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, we're talking about St. Louis. I am one half of your co-hosting team on Blue Notes, covering all things St. Louis Blues on the Hockey Podcast Network. And I am joined by my partner in crime, my comrade, my homie, Wags. What's going on, bud? Not much. I, I'm I'm just enjoying a nice adult beverage because it is our vacation, isn't it? It uh, is. You know, but you know, we still got to get together and talk about the blues and and celebrate the uh, the people that have helped get us where we're at. So it's it's going to be a great show today, and we're going to have fun. That's right. In fact, actually celebrating the people that have helped us get to where we're at, Wags. Uh, your brainchild. We got our first response from that, uh, Gabriel Foley, uh, taking part in our little uh, certificate experiment. Yes, he did. He, uh, he was able to post that today and, and showcase our wonderful Blue Notes guest certificate. And we're going to be passing those out to uh, all of our past guests and have them basically showing off and linking to their interviews on our Blue Notes pod. And anybody that comes on in the future will be getting those as well. And yes, I did kind of, you know, borrow that from a local radio show here, but I thought <laughs> it'd be fun and, and it might uh, showcase what we can do. That's right. You know, radio is such a copycat business. If you don't copy off of other people's ideas and radio, uh, you're not doing it right. So, Wags, you are doing it right. So, um, And our second person that's going to get a certificate is our guest today. You have seen him literally climbing, well, maybe not mountains, but very tall hills on, on this show. Uh, Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, he is going to join us live uh, from his uh, beautiful uh, beautiful home in Hawaii. Looking forward to that. Uh, first things first, got a couple things to uh, knock off here before we uh, get to the good stuff here. Of course, we are in vacation mode today because of uh, the Hawaii Blues fan uh, coming on today. Looks like uh, Wags, you're ready to you know hit some tasty waves you know with your no sleeve shirt. <laughs> I got to show off the guns, right? Yeah, I mean, the, gun, the, the gun show. I mean, we're, we're, we're working on the female demographic here, folks. Yes. And, you know, it, it's all on you, Wax, because they ain't watching for me. Uh, uh, we're, we're screwed then. Yeah, man. Oh, man. All righty. Well, but thankfully, we do have uh, gracious uh, male listeners that uh, participated in our Blue Notes question of the week this week. And uh, first things first, want to give a big congrats to 
Greg Kane at GKane20Chin on Twitter. He has won our Blue Notes Question of the Week giveaway, and he will be getting one of our classic tees at our Teespring shop. Teespring.com slash stores slash Blue Notes slash... No, that's it. That's just that You only need those two slashes. Um, I promise. Now, we've got all kinds of merch there uh, for you to check out. And, uh, you know, if you decide to buy a shirt or you buy one of our uh, Selkie-level COVID uh, masks or you buy... We even have socks on there just because why not, you know, just, you know, indulge a little bit. If you buy any of that, you help support us and uh, help us uh, keep producing great uh, blues uh, related content here on the Hockey Podcast Network. So we appreciate your patronage and um, we will be with you this NHL offseason. This will be our last live stream. Uh, Actually, no, I think about next week will be our last live stream. Until December, we'll explain that uh, at the end of the episode here, what we're got, what we've got planned for next week and you know beyond a little bit. But uh, uh, first things first, um, let's let, actually you know what, let's talk about that right now, Wags. Uh, so what what do we have coming this this Sunday? Oh well, we're going to be going over our top five most stomach turning moments in Blues history, or or as we like to call it, T five MSTMBH for short. You know, we're going to get that on a Catch shirt, you. I think. Hashtag. Oh yes, MSTMBH. Exactly. Hashtag, and, and definitely, we're gonna get that on a shirt. We we have definitely, to. That, that's definitely, eye catching. Uh, we're gonna cover Saskatoon. Mike Keenan. Uh, we'll cover. Do we two? Well, you know, we're talking about stomach turning moments. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's the and stomach turning of them all. And he's he, he's about three years worth of Mylanta moments there. But yeah, <laughs> that he is. Uh, Gretzky had it, lost it, mm. and, and a whole lot more. I mean, there's mm. unfortunately we, we're having trouble narrowing it down to five. We may have some honorable mentions that we throw in there, but we're gonna have some five pretty stomach turning moments in their history, and you know that'll comprise uh, basically our five November ish uh, episodes as well. So we're gonna kind of get that over the next couple months or the next month or so and we'll, we'll talk about any breaking news that happens during the week but otherwise we're, we're kind of counting on that to get us through to the start of probably training camp preseason because right now we still don't have a set date for the start of the season yeah and that's one thing we will talk about today with a guy the Hawaii Blues fan or uh, is just a little more chatter about uh, how next season is going to going to work apparently there's still some hope that there's going to be an 82 game season and that would start around January 1st and end in maybe like mid-July. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, but our uh, Blue Notes question of the week last week was, who was the better, who is the better value if you're building an NHL team? Tory Krug at $6.5 million over seven years or Alex Petrangelo at $8.8 million for seven years plus a no-movement clause? Now, 144 of you responded, and thank you very much for that. Um, and the results were 70% Krug, 30% Petro. That means that 70% of those 144 voters felt that Tory Krug, at his contract, represents a better value than Alex Petrangelo. And uh, were you surprised by that at all, Wags? A little bit, yeah. I really was. I mean, we had some comments on there basically saying that how can you even compare it and it's Petro all the way, but the fact that 70% agreed that Krug was a better value, uh, that was surprising. I thought at the very least, even if people agreed that Petro was better, that the the results would be a little bit closer. Uh, So, yeah, definitely surprised that Krug was a runaway in that. Well, we we need some help to discuss those results a little bit because I know there's someone that's waiting to pop on here that's very interested in talking about Tory Krug versus 
Alex Petrangelo. And this is this is a man that is willing to climb volcanoes for us here. He is the one, the only Hawaii Blues fan. And let's give him a big Blue Notes welcome. Mahalo to the man behind the Aloha commentary, and this is proof that he does indeed live in Hawaii. It is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan. What's going on, Guy? Well, Aloha, guys, and thanks for having me on. This is um, I've been actually looking forward to this all week, and, and you know, with this being a live show, maybe you were thinking that I wouldn't do Aloha commentary. I got something special for you guys today. Ooh, really live special. Alo- a live Aloha commentary. Absolutely. And um, while we're doing this, I know you're, we have a mutual friend. Uh, I think you know who I'm talking about, Lance DeScott. Yes. Yeah. You need to tag him before I do it because he inspired this. All right. We'll make sure to do that when we're, uh, we're paying our bills here a little later on. And by the way, I, I, I'm really glad, Guy, that you live in a place that still has a beautiful view behind you. <laughs> you know, I was kind of worried you would live like in an alley somewhere where you just get like a view of like the next brick building next door. But uh, uh, no, man, beautiful place you got there. Yeah, I actually live off a golf course that I can't golf on. So um, that's just uh, the way it goes out here, you know. Um, but really, you know, living in a shack in, in the woods might be all I can afford sometimes. Well, you know, <laughs> Hawaii is expensive. You're right. So so why why can't you golf on the golf course? Are you banned? Or, or what? No, no. It's a private course, and it costs oh. like uh, $25,000 a year to join. $25,000 a year? I, I barely make that at, at, at working at KMOX. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, that is absurd. Yeah. Wow. Wow, so wow. I, if I golf and I haven't golfed in a while, I go to the military courses. They pay 30 bucks. You know, that that's better than $25,000. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Wags, imagine you had enough money to play at a $25,000 a year golf course. I mean, first of all, would you even do it? Um, I'd have to be a lot better than what I am now. Uh, but if, if I've got enough money to drop twenty five thousand to to have a membership, I'm I'm probably going to be paying for some private lessons because oh, yeah. right now I'm terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I had that much money and I I wasn't having to work at it and I was able to go out and golf all the time, then yeah, hell yeah, I'd be out there. I mean, come on, you get to drink, you get to hit, you know, you get to be athletic in a sense, and you know, you bring your friends or bring your friends along with you, and if you beat them, you get to talk crap to him yeah exactly <laughs> exactly no that that's that, that i'm with you wags i can't golf to save my life i'm i, I have I, I have a slice that is so bad that i think i'm banned from a couple driving ranges because i keep slicing into the grate next to me you know where other golfers are trying to swing that's how bad it is we, we uh, got a course that i go to uh, a driving range it's literally right next to a middle school and yeah, I, I'm I'm the same way. If there wasn't that that huge fence on the side there protecting that school, I'd probably own about four or five classrooms right now. <laughs> Gee whiz! Wow. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm I'm just as bad. Um, we have a a military course that runs along the high, an elevated highway, and I've actually hit a ball that hooked so bad it hit the highway and then bounced back onto the course. <laughs> that's that's a I think they call that a bank shot. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, but he, but he got a call when you're swinging though. 
Um, <laughs> uh, so, by the way, uh, we uh, we are streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you are watching at any one of those places, feel free to drop a comment, and we will uh, talk about it with Guy on the show here. But uh, first thing, Guy, I wanted to, wanted to chat with you about here. You know, we, this is our first chance to really kind of talk, you know, just, you know, amongst ourselves, you know, about you know, the end of the Alex Petrangelo era and the beginning yeah. of the Tory Krug era. We had a poll that suggests that, that where we asked people, uh, is Krug at $6.5 million over seven years a better value than Petrangelo at 8.8 and a no movement? 70% said yes. Do you agree with that 70% or are you a 30%er? I'm a 70%er. Um, I shared your poll to, to get it out there. I hope I hope get you guys some votes. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought about this a lot. And actually, today's special deals with this um petrangelo if he, and i think i said this last week if he wanted to stay here he'd have been here and because you know everything that transpired i think armstrong did everything he could to keep him here and without going to a point that was against his morals and, and i think he did that in the fairest way possible um you know i'm not the greatest armstrong supporter but I got to hand it to him. The last two years, he's made some moves, as, as much as people don't like him, that have paid off. And the, the fact that he kind of came out, uh, not Armstrong himself, but the, the feeling is, is you know, he didn't want to have one player kind of holding the team hostage. That, that was something that really struck me that I'd never really thought about before when talking about no trades and no movement clauses and things of that nature. And after that kind of came out, I was like, yeah, that really makes a ton of sense because a player holds so much power over the ownership of yeah. a team when really you should be basically you're the employee of that team. So there's no way you should have that much power. It, it just goes to show you that Armstrong really is thinking about the long game versus just going out there and winning another Stanley Cup, which this team still has the chance to do that, especially being able to add a guy like Tory Krug. Yeah, um, I Sorry, I don't know if I'm cutting in, but I, I do agree with that. Um, I thought the Krug ad, the way that came down was perfect. I mean, here it is. We're all sitting there. We're waiting to hear that Petrangelo, what offers he got and all of that stuff. And then out of the blue, and it was even so late that the NHL network couldn't even pick up on it because, you know, they record their show and then replay it. They didn't pick up on it. Just a little blue box. They talked about it the next day. And you hear the Krug signing and I'm thinking Krug. I had to go back and think about it, actually, who he was. And then I remembered, oh, that's the bastard that ran over Thomas. And yeah. I like it. I like this play. And, and I think that you bring that uh, element to the game that we didn't have before. And I also think this plays into your question two weeks ago about the um, uh, pairings, right? And, and I'm going to, again, hint I'm going to talk about that a little bit today in my Aloha commentary. All right. We're looking forward to it. And, you know, one thing that I was talking with some of uh, some other people on Twitter about, you know, this past week, um, you know, Tory Krug, you know, I mean, think of the type of player that he is. You know, he's a five foot nine, 185 pound guy, but yet he's willing to be physical. He's willing. He, he plays on both ends of the ice. He's definitely more of an offensive threat. But I mean, he, you know, by all all everyone Everyone keeps saying that he's responsible in his own end, you know, generally speaking. Um, doesn't he seem like the kind of guy, you know, this, this this moxie, small, but, you know, carries a big stick type. Doesn't he seem like the guy guy that might be a fan favorite here in St. Louis? Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And I think that he's going to endear himself to the fans very quickly. Um, I, I, I haven't seen all of it, but I know he did a, a thing with, I think it was Alex Ferrario and Robert Thomas talking about the hit, which I want to say one thing real quick about that hit. Yeah, it actually was an illegal hit in that playoff. In that playoff, they had instituted that ha- the helmet rule. Mm. It was up to the officials to call it. So if the official didn't feel that losing a helmet and staying in the play was negative, they didn't have to call it. So it was up to them. But it was a rule and it was an illegal hit. He should have gone back to the bench. And you got to love the fact that Robert Thomas, you know, he's been uh, asked about this a few times. And he did a actually did a video this past week uh, with the St. Louis Blues with Tory Krug. And, yep. you know, he flat out said it, it, he didn't think it was a, an illegal hit. You know, he, he thought it was just basically that's hockey. You know, yep. that, that that's what you do. That's what that's what Krug is supposed to do. So um, but we, we also had another poll uh, this past week. Wags, you want to talk about that one? Yeah, we, we jumped into the the, the fray of who the next captain for the St. Louis Blues should be. And basically we posted, you know, who do you think would be the next captain? Who would you pick of these three guys? You had Jaden Schwartz, Ryan O'Reilly, and Braden Shen. Uh, we had almost 400 responses to the to this question. Uh, 32 comments, which were sort of a signal of a vote for Schwartz. Um, we had 98 likes for people for Braden Shen and 249 People retweeted saying they wanted Ryan O'Reilly as captain, and I'll be perfectly honest, that is not a surprise to me. Um, I, I thought Braden Shen would get a little bit more love because a lot of people talk about what he's done for St. Louis here before Ryan O'Reilly got here as well. Uh, but the fact that those two guys were were the two guys that really got the most amount of vo- votes did not surprise me. Uh, were you surprised, guy, that it was that lopsided? Um. No, I'm not. And the reason I'm going to say this is, and don't take this the wrong way, guys, it's a skewed setup, right? Because of the way it's set up, the comment, the like, and the retweet, if I like your post and I retweet it and 10 other people see it and retweet it and don't really understand it, that kind of lopsides the vote a little bit. So that doesn't surprise me. However, with O'Reilly, the People have been climbing for O'Reilly to be the captain since November of last of 19. So, or, or 18, actually, November of 18. So that, 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 that part doesn't surprise me at all. And, you know, I'm kind of in that camp where I want that first guy in, last guy out mentality. I want that guy that's going to spend his time, his own time, practicing with the younger guys. I want that, that feistiness bred into the team. Wags, Wags, I think you just called us fake news. (laughs) We were were just jumping on the hype train that's going around. (laughs) No, no, no. I, I, I wasn't saying you were fake news. (laughs) I was just saying that there was some skewity there and you have to admit that. But I think the results, if you'd done it a different way, would have been very close. By the way, let us state this for the record. This will be our one political reference uh, between now and the election. I promise you. Okay, that that's our that that's our one. Okay, we've used it up and we're done here. So, I mean, what? How do you you know with? Because keep in mind, Alex Steen is 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 might be out this next season. He might be done with his entire career. Uh, Tarasenko's out. So, 
How do you see the C and you know alternate captain uh, ship working out next year, guy? Um, well, I see the C going to O'Reilly. I think that's great. Um, a buddy of mine, uh, Mike Dante, and I got to say a quick shout out to his fiance Amanda, and I'm going to kill her last name Savorsky. Today's your birthday, Amanda. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! You're a great Blues fan. They live in Philadelphia. They make a yearly trip to St. Louis to go to games. Uh, Mike caught, when I first started my show, Mike caught me on one of the groups and he's been a really big fan. I've had him on a couple of times. I appreciate both of them. They're, they're great friends of mine. Um, but I, he thinks that, and he's partial, but he thinks the Perron should be the captain because of his loyalty to the team. And I get that. I really do. And I can see Perron with an A. Uh, Shin is a kind of a harder I don't know. I, I'm not as much of a, a Shin fan as everybody else is. Um, I think one of your A's really needs to go to a defense person, you know, one of your defensemen. And I think Pareko has been around on this team long enough, and he's got that role of being the number one defenseman now. Um, I think he should get an A. You know, I actually I'm with you on that one. I and, and, and we had a couple people, I think, mentioned in our comments that – well, actually someone flat out mentioned that Pareko – uh, at P Chambers seven should be the captain, which I think that's a little too uh, little too early for the, to be talking about that one. But maybe down the road. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I I like O'Reilly as a captain. I think I think Pareko should wear an A, and I think I think the third alternate. You know, if I had to pick, you know, either leave it on Tarasenko, you know, for when he comes <sighs> back. You know, if you're worried about you know hurting his hurting his ego a little bit. Or give it to Jaden Schwartz, if but only if Schwartz is coming back. Which that's that's another thing that they got to deal with here is Jaden Schwartz is he has one year left until he's a UFA. How does he how does he get resigned? Yeah, you know, but I think there's something that a lot of people aren't really talking about, and I know the salary cap is set for this season or for next season. However, there's something that could change that a little bit, and I've I've had some feelers out there. The TV contract. The TV contract is up, and it was a $2 billion 10-year contract. And I'm sorry about the wind, guys. Um, And and this year, they're talking about it being maybe less than a 10-year contract, but at $4 billion. $4 billion. They're doubling it, right? They're looking at getting a streaming site, adding on to it, on top of what – NBC had. They're looking at um, someone who wants to show the finals, all the finals on the main channel and not a side channel. So this money that these teams are going to get could help really a lower that um, escrow or B and or B bump the caps up, even though they're already set in the, um, CBA, because I guarantee you, if the owners say, hey, guys, we want to amend the cap in the CBA, would you be willing to vote for it? It's going up. Yeah, I'm guessing they're all going to vote for it. Yeah. And by the way, I, I heard that Wags, I heard that ESPN was going to make a big play, I think, for, for the NHL this year. And which which would be I, I would love that just for the fact that we get that, you know, great intro music that they used to have when we were growing up. Best sports intro music ever. Yeah. ESPN NHL. Yeah. Oh, yeah. NHL tonight. I mean, just just hearing, you know, John Butchergross and then you had Gary Thorne on the call, with Bill Clement. And I mean, just that. Yeah, that's like my childhood right there. I mean, every after every Blues game, especially during like winter break, 
after it was over, you'd switch over to ESPN too, and you'd get that intro and yep. you watch it until the end of time, essentially. Yeah, that, that would be awesome if they went back to ESPN, and hopefully that means they would get better coverage. But who knows? Hey, uh, our buddy, the uh, Dutch Blues fan Gerard, checking in, saying. Great show, guys. Keep up the good work and stay healthy. Good night from the <laughs> Netherlands. Yeah. It, it, it's it, What is it, like two or three over there? I mean, you know. No, he's, he's actually 12 hours opposite of me. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, so it's at seven from us. So that would We're be. We're stretching the globe right now. We yeah. really are. I mean, we are covering the planet here on Blue Notes. Uh, Gerard in mid-season blues form because, you know, he has to. You know, he would stay up till two, three, four o'clock to, or actually, he would get up at like yeah. one o'clock to watch the Blues. So, Gerard, absolute legend, absolute legend. Thank you, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for checking in here. So, um, by the way, Gerard, we still need to get something hooked up. I know we've tried to a couple of times, but I really want to get you on the show, and I know we we're going to get something set up, buddy. Well, uh, Gerard, uh, actually, uh, correcting us here, it is one o three. Uh, mm. in uh, his in, in the Netherlands right now. So uh, yeah, Gerard, guy's a good guy. He, uh, definitely get hooked up with him. Although I just like with, with the twelve hour difference. I mean, I mean, one of you two has to suffer. Yep, <laughs> that's just that's just flat out. One of you two to it just it, it, you're either going to be getting up really early or like someone staying up really late. Um, yeah, but yeah, let's let's get. Oh, we could do one like at eight a.m. eight p.m. I can handle that. There we go. That could work. That could work. Um, speaking of things that uh, that could work, but might be a little bit difficult, uh, I, I wanted to just kind of drop the Pat just dropped this little nugget here. So I was uh, uh, just you know messing around on Twitter, and someone at NBC Sports suggested that maybe the Blues explore a reunion with Ryan Miller because you know of course Jake Allen's gone. They'll have Ville Husso, um, you know, as the backup goaltender this year. And, uh, you know, he's he's a little bit unproven, but uh, I I don't know about you, Wags, but I kind of threw up in my mouth a little bit whenever I read that just because I I really soured on Ryan Miller when he was a a St. Louis blue. But uh, uh, what do you think of that idea, guy? Ryan Miller back in the blue note. Can you guys hear this? The, yeah, the resounding booze. <laughs> you know, for the longest time, he was the guy who shall not be named uh, with me. You, you, you couldn't say his name around me without me getting violently angry. Better yet, this is what I think of Ryan Miller. <laughs> that call is so true. Don't let him anywhere near my blues. Yeah. Don't let him anywhere near my blues. We, I, we we talked about that. We talked about that in the first time that we met and we talked. We talked about that. Yes, we did. And uh, thankfully, I think Ryan Miller is uh, a West Coast or retire guy. He really seemed adamant about playing on the West Coast. So, you know what? They can they could have him over there uh, uh, on the uh, Pacific time zone. Um, but, you know, so. Huso's in goal. Um, the other big question that we got to look into, Wags, is the offense without Tarasenko this year. Yeah, I mean, you you were counting on him to come back in the bubble, and obviously he did not last, and now everything kind of came out with another surgery, and he's going to be out for a while and, and all that sort of stuff. And it just makes you go, what is this going to actually look like? You know, you've got O'Reilly, you've got Shen and Schwartz and Perron and Thomas, and you've got guys that – showed during the season last year that they could win without Tarasenko. 
what is this offense going to look like? And are we going to see Tarasenko at all this year? Not just because of the injury, but maybe because the team maybe moves on from him. What do you think about uh, potentially the Blues without Tarasenko guy? Um, I don't think that they're going to move on from him. Um, he's got a contract with his injuries that you're not going to be able to pass off. Right. So, so they're not going to move on from them. And that's plain and simple. Not only that, um, I've talked to a few people, can't name drop, unfortunately. And I've been told that the surgery was very successful and that he is being monitored in his recovery. So that sounds good. I mean, everything sounds good there. Yeah. What? But I, we heard that last year, though. Okay. You know. he, there's something that didn't get out. And I do. I did get this confirmed. His shoulder was fine when he started training camp and it was good during the first or second game during a workout session or after it, something happened. And what happened? I don't know. And I couldn't find out, but the next day he couldn't lift his shoulder up. So it's possible that he bumped into something or in, in lifting a weight, did something, but the the thought process up to that point was that his shoulder was absolutely fine, and that would kind of explain, you know, if he had hurt his shoulder, you know, after the after say game two, how he looked the rest of you know that series, you know, very tentative, you know, didn't didn't really seem to, uh, um, you know, was kind of afraid of getting hit. Uh, his shot didn't look look the way it used to be. And I, and I guess, you know, if, if this is something that we have to keep worrying about, you know, you mentioned, okay, Tarasenko is going to be a blue going forward because of his contract and just because he's Tarasenko. Do you trust Tarasenko like you did before ever again? Um, you know, I, that's God, thank goodness. I'm not coach Brody. Um, <laughs> no, and, and I say that I don't mean it. Jokingly, I actually mean it because this is going to be a hard thing. When you have a player of that caliber, right, how do you handle that player? Tarasenko is one of those guys, when you see him play, you just know, you don't coach Tarasenko. Tarasenko just, he doesn't need a coach. He just needs to know this is the area he needs to be in and let him go. That's what that's the way I think he plays. I think he plays very open, like Hole used to play, right? Yeah. And now you have a player that maybe can't do that. So I'm thinking maybe a steam type thing, you know, maybe, Hey, do you mind if we drop you down a little bit and, and, and get you to help these guys out and, and, and maybe raise this line up or, you know, so that's what I think may have to happen there a bit or, you know, better yet, he comes back and he's the old Tarasenko who knows how to shoot the damn puck. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just, you never know. I mean, and I, I just, and knowing Tarasenko, he is going to do his damnedest to rehab and make sure that he is 100% going forward. I mean, he just he, he comes across as a guy that is very prideful, you know, and, and yeah. prideful in his game. And, you know, he's going to he's going to do everything he can to come back, I think. So and that's, and, that, and that's respectable. And with him being 28 years old, uh, you know, getting ready to turn 29, dropping him down in that Steen-esque role of going down and being a mentor to the youth. Um uh, that'd be great. I mean, obviously, if he's a guy that can mentor the, the next wave, but he's still part of the current wave. And that, and I don't know if that's something that he would be willing to do. I mean, because he's a guy that still probably believes that he's in his prime. And he's probably not going to sit there and take a demotion to the third line for the full season. Now, if, if Barube were to approach him and say, hey, look, 
you know, we know we've, we know you've dealt with injury. Let's work you back into the lineup. We'll start you on that third line for a week or so. Let's get you back into, into game shape and acclimated to the game and then start rising them up through the ranks there. That's probably the direction I see them taking uh, just because you know, if, if you install him at, at the, the top line again and he either doesn't come off right or he gets injured again for some reason, all of a sudden you're losing a guy that you were counting on to be on your top line. Well, if you start him in that third line, yes, he can also mentor some of the guys that are down there. He doesn't have to play a whole lot, and he can kind of build his confidence back up and then rise back up to that number one spot. Well, I actually, I I kind of agree with you, but I kind of disagree with you. I think something that we saw from Barubi in the playoffs that we did in, in the cup run that we, and we saw last year, up until we the, the COVID break was that he used that third line a lot more than you normally see third lines used. So he's you're not looking at a third line that plays 14, 15 minutes. Yeah. You're looking at a third line that plays 16, 17, 18 minutes regularly, right? You're yeah. looking at a third line that is not a disruptive line, but a scoring line. So him getting that so-called demotion isn't really a demotion the way that Barubi uses the lines. And, and and that's something that I've enjoyed. And, and trust me, if you guys have watched my show at all, you know I call him Booberry all the time. <laughs> but that's something that I've enjoyed about him is seeing that use of the four lines, old-time hockey. Yeah. And, and I got to tell, I, I hope I'm not talking too long, guys. But no, um, the other night, our, the NHL Network had the Blues Franchise Classics on. And they had the Monday Night Miracle. And there were three things that I took away from the Monday Night Miracle. The first thing, non-hockey related, was everybody in the stands. What those In the stands, there were hardly, and this is 86 now, no jerseys. Right. I, when I had Mike Leud on, he talked about it, and I remember it. Going to a Blues game was an event. You wore a button-down shirt. You wore slacks. Women wore uh, blouses, you know, the flowered blouses, the tie blouses, um, slacks or, or skirts or dresses. You dressed up to go to a game. It was an event. And when you cheered, you were cheering with every ounce of you because you knew you were seeing something special. It was an event. It was a concert almost. Concert atmosphere almost. And then was the play. The play was a lot of stand-up. The arena was big ice, right? I I mean, I looked at the neutral zone and the neutral zone looked like humongous to me, right? And back then, you had the two-line rule. So you couldn't pass pass the red. You couldn't go past two lines. You had to go between the lines. So your first pass had to be in the first third, of, the first half of the neutral zone. Your second pass had to be in the second half of the neutral zone before you could take it over the line. So that bottled up the neutral zone then. And you watch guys stand up a little more. And you also seen some speed through the neutral zone that we don't see anymore. And the, the other thing I noticed was the shots, the goalies that they were firing. They were stand up mostly, right? Yeah. There weren't a lot of down. The shots weren't, they weren't. And, and I know some of this is a stick, but they didn't have a lot of oomph on them, right? Yeah. Um, but just watching all of that and, and then seeing it, but it was that rolling of all the lines. I mean, I kept hearing every Blues name call, even going into the, you know, 
into the overtime. It wasn't a shortened bench. Everybody was getting used. And I love the way that Peruby does that. I think yeah. when you do that, the guys that are getting, when a guy gets in trouble and gets four minutes, he knows you fuck. He knows he effed up. Yeah, absolutely. Right? He knows it. There's no, this isn't like, oh, we're losing. We're going to play. No, you effed up because I'm not changing how we play. He plays the same way, whether we're up four to nothing or down four to nothing. And I, in some ways, love it. In some ways, hate it. But as a player, you know what you're getting. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say a bad word. Go for it. But you can do it. That was the one thing that I heard from everybody that I've talked to that played for Mike Keenan. You knew where you stood. And Baruby's the same way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Keenan, well, thankfully, I don't think, I don't think Baruby plays head games like Keenan used to. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of what we heard about Keenan, yeah, was from Brett Hall, who tends to take things a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. he, he could be he could be a bit of a diva. But, uh, you know, we also heard Chris Pronger, you know, went, you know, talk about his head games a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. that, that's that's gonna be one of our top five stomach turners. It's just the whole Mike Keenan era because it, it was just rough. Well, I already know what number one is. Number one set there, there's no way you can beat number one. What do you think number one is? Number one is uh, the blue line shot. Stevie Y. Yeah, uh, Stevie Y. Gret- couldn't run, yeah, couldn't yeah. Gretzky, Gretzky had it had, lost. It. Gretzky had it lost. It. That's 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 in there. That's in okay. there. Yeah, I I still I I went the I I should have gone to therapy for that. Actually, I, I didn't actually I didn't actually go to therapy, but I often think of the like you know what I need to lie down on the couch. You know, you know, the next couple of months, because it was just it, I mean, when you're 11 years old. I mean, when something like that happens to you, it rips your heart out. I mean, that's first time I ever cried over a sporting event. I got I just gotten back from fifth grade camp, actually, okay. the, the week of that series. And I, I remember coming down off the high of being away from home for the first time. And my blues were in the, you know, in the playoffs and they're going up against the Red Wings, who we just had. The, it was just an epic rivalry. Yeah. And the fact that we had a chance of beating them and then to have everything that happened happen. Yeah. That, that was my first experience with heartbreak. And I, I don't think I recovered until last year. In all um, serious. <laughs> I think it's, a, I think, I think it took this podcast and talking about it for me to finally exercise it from, from my, from my, you know, internal depths. Oh, so you owe me how much per hour then? Um, <laughs> We'll we'll, we'll 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 get my attorney on that. We'll, uh, we'll 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 talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was looking for something here. I can't find it. It's so funny. But no, actually. So I got you both beat. Okay. I was, and I want to say when that happened, I was probably about twenty six, twenty seven. Okay. I was an instructor on the second shift at Great Lakes. I had one of those old pagers, right? Mm-hmm. My my wife was sending me in code the period one time left and then the score period two time left zero zero period three zero zero overtime you know four and when she got i had just left work when that happened and i had i cried as a 26 year old (laughs) i I worked with three or four detroit fans and they were giving it to me oh no that one hurt that Mm. that one hurt by the way you by the way, you know, wasn't paging back then kind of expensive? 
Uh, nah, wasn't that bad. Uh, okay. Paging wasn't. Cell phones were. Yeah, cell phones phone at phone that calls, point too. were expensive. Oh God! Right? Yeah, I, I paging had dropped. Cell phones were out the out the out the ying. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, by the way, one thing we're looking forward to is a full eighty-two game season, and I don't know if it's going to be practical for next season. But uh, uh, recently, I uh, talked to some people on Twitter about uh, this idea that uh, maybe. The uh, NHL, you know, they're they're still looking at a possible January 1st start on or around. Of course, no Winter Classic this year. That's confirmed. Um, But the talk is maybe you start January 1st, you end in mid-July, and you somehow fit 82 games in that schedule. That, to me, with the COVID era, that, 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 that looks implausible to me. I mean, do you think it's possible to get an 82 game season in or no? Um, I do. I, and, and I think one thing that they're going to do that I really like is they're going to expand the roster. I think it's going to go from 23 to 26. Right. So you can yeah. have so you're going to be able to have now, I guess I guess the way they're going to do this, too, is the extra three guys don't count against your cap. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have the first 23 are your cap guys. Right. Okay. So um, then you have three that are there that you can move in and out that are, that don't count against your cap. I think that's what I heard. Uh, but by doing that, you can have more three and three games and four nights. And I think that that's actually, I would rather see that. I'd rather see both goalies getting 30, 40 games. I, I mean, I, I want to see all the players play. I want to see right. the guy we've got, some guys down on the farm that are ready to make a move. Custom. You know, we, we've got a couple of guys that need to fish or cut bait. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand that reference, it's shit or get off the pot. Yes. The other one. And and, sorry, the sailor comes out every now and then. Hey, that's all right. (laughs) But you know, costing. Yes. Fish or cut bait, bud. Um, Huso. Fisher cut bait, bud. Yep. Uh, and then there's a few others that I can't, you know, and then uh, the Wallman's other one. one. Who? Jake Wallman, the defenseman. Wall- you know, yeah, he- Wallman. And then uh, the Australian guy. Um, oh, Walker. 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 But Walker now, I think he just needs to spot. Yeah. I think Walker is more than ready. I think Walker proved when he was up that he was that energetic third line, fourth line guy that you want. And that that goal he scored, how that was not one of the top 10 goals of the year is absolutely mind boggling to me. He scored yeah. a cricket goal and you're not going to give him any love. <laughs> love the Aussie reference there. The, the cricket goal there. I love it. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that I felt that needed a better shake when he was up in the NHL and had his chance, you know, per se. He put up the numbers in San Antonio. He really did. And then when he came up, he showed flashes of, you know, some of the, you know, some of that goal scoring, you know, point producing, you know, talent that he has. It's just that he never got to get in a rhythm when he was yeah. with the Blues because he was always kind of used as a he was used as kind of a Band-Aid. But, uh, you know, Wags, that kind of just, you know, tells you a little bit about the Blues depth there that, you know, there's, you know, they didn't need to go out and make a big signing or they didn't even need to go out and sign like a Bobby Ryan type. Because, you know, what is Bobby Ryan going to give you that a Nathan Walker can't at this point? Yeah, that's exactly why you've seen them very, very hesitant to dive into the free agent pool outside of the of the Krug signing and then some depth signing as well. Because it's really just about filling out that 
now Springfield roster uh, that that we have uh, for the minors because yeah they've got so much depth and you know I we talked last week or the week before about you know is there any guy that would move the needle for you free agency wise um, and you know Bobby Ryan for me was one of the guys that I was very intrigued by because I thought he would fit the system and fit the mold of this team uh, but. Uh, you know, I was kind of perusing that today as well. And, you know, there was a name that jumped out at me that I hadn't even thought about. And I think he would fit the mold here. He's a scorer. He showed it last year in Ottawa. That's Anthony Declare. I think that might be a very interesting. No, no, you're not. You're not a fan of Anthony Declare. No, I, I like that. I like An- that. I, no, I, no. <laughs> Anthony Declare is a cancer. He is an absolute head case. It is all about Anthony Declare. Um, there's a reason he didn't resign in Ottawa, even though he had a breakout year for them. It's because he is a, a totally selfish player. He is he is not a St. Louis Blues player. I don't like Anthony Duclair one bit. He's I, 25. He okay. he is he but he needs he, to mature. He's incredible. But for a 25 year old, he acts like he's 12. No shit. I know 52 year olds that act like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, they might've taken a few headshots, but yeah. Um, Okay. So you like declare why guy? I like attitude, right? And, and sometimes I, I get it in the locker room. It doesn't work all the time. However, we don't have an Ottawa locker room. Ottawa has a very young, very inexperienced, very um, impressionable locker room that somebody like that comes into that can destroy a locker room. We have a very mature, very veteran, very stable locker room that a guy like that comes into. Maybe on the ice he can get away with it. He ain't getting away with it behind closed doors. Right? If you want to play that way, you play that way. But in here... No, you listen to us, and, and, and I'm okay with a guy like that. And, and, you know, you guys talked last week, and, yes, I watch your show almost every week, or I watch it on replay. Good you, you, you know that, and I try and share it every week. Um, they watch it. Or, or they have this – or you talked about Mike Hoffman. I lost my – you talked about Mike Hoffman and not wanting him for his locker room antics or whatever. Uh, Duclair, and, and, Duclair. Uh, no, it was Hoff. You talked no, about Hoffman, 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 because, oh, of you did whole, Hoffman. Okay. because of the whole Hoffman Carlson wife girlfriend thing. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't think that that is as much of an issue. And you haven't said what your Blue Notes question of the week is. I kind of have one, and I don't know if you want to use it, but I'm going to throw it out there. Okay. If you could get any free agent at the league minimum for one year, who and why? Well, I was going to suggest if you're looking at a signing like a, a guy like Declare, um, I would rather take a shot on a guy like Alex Galchenyuk, uh, who's 26 years old, has proven he can play at this level. He's just been very inconsistent. And, you know, he seems he screams of a guy that needs the right role. Um, Andreas Atanaseu is 26 years old, former Red Wing. He kind of flopped a little bit in Edmonton, but he's speedy. He's young. Um, and he's just one year removed from a 30 goal season. Or I would even say I would, you know, instead of declare, I'd almost rather have Ilya Kovalchuk at this point because he really, he really, you know, when he got to Montreal, he he looked very good in spurts. It just, he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, 
keep keep the keep the momentum going. I mean, he wouldn't be my top choice, but I would almost rather have Kovalchuk than Declare at this point. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a tough one because those are all really good points. Uh, I, I think I'd still stay away from Kovalchuk. Uh, mainly because Tarasenko's not on the ice. If you had Tarasenko out on the ice, I think Kovalchuk coming in would probably be a really good thing because you saw what he did when he went to Washington and played with Ovechkin. Uh, it, it, he kind of revamped himself there and was, was pretty good for Washington in his short time there. So if Tarasenko were here playing, I think Kovalchuk might be a great option. Um, I, You know, the Galchenyuk one, that that definitely intrigues me. Uh, Anthony Sineo, he, he he's another one that if, you, if you're talking about a head case, I mean, he essentially got ran out of Detroit. You know, Detroit is the worst team in the league, and they basically ran a thirty goal scorer out of the out of, out of their stable. So, True. Uh, you, you could make the same argument for him that you made for Declare. So, I, I think for me, it would probably go Galchenyuk, Declare, and then Kovalchuk will be that third option, maybe later on in the season if he's not signed when Vladdy comes back. Now, there is another forward out there that I kind of like that I don't think gets enough appreciation for what he does on the ice. Can play uh, like center and left wing. I think he's pretty, even played right wing as well. And he is a former St. Louis Blue uh, prospect. Uh, Carl Soderberg is still out there. Uh, he In 2018-19, he had one point shy of 50 points on the season while scoring career-high 23 goals. You would not sign him to be a top-six guy, but as a veteran, you know, you know, veteran depth, I wouldn't mind uh, taking that at all. By the way, Carl Soderberg, I'm going to ask this question to the both of you. See how well your memory banks are. Don't Google this. Who did the Blues trade Carl Soderberg for? And I'll give you a hint. It was to Boston. Yeah, uh, it was either. I, I want to say it was. Uh, it was either Weidman or Boys. Incorrect. Yeah, I, incorrect. Ah. I, I don't remember. I'm trying to think who we traded in with. Oh, the Boston oh, trade oh, we've oh had I here. think I know now. I think I know uh, now. Oh, who, who, yeah. who was it? Was it was it a goaltender? It was a goaltender. Hanu Toivonen. Hanu Toivonen. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, remember that. Well, <laughs> no, I don't, no one remembers him in a Blues uniform. Well, Wax couldn't remember him for for a longest time. If you if you had told me who he was, I would have forgotten. But I remember Hanu Toivonen at the time the Blues got him. He was you know a, a 22, 23 years old. He was supposed to be, I think, a possible answer for the Blues in goal. And he proceeded in his one year with the Blues. He played 23 games, started 17 of them, had a 344 goals against average and an 878 save percentage. And I, you know, look, the Blues have a very interesting record, track record with goaltenders. And fans like to turn on Blues goaltenders very quickly. Toivonen might have been the quickest uh, turn against him that I've seen. You know, he was bad. As a blue, and in fact, he was so bad he never played in the in the NHL again. Yeah. After, after well, what, what year was that that he played? Because I, I mean, I don't remember. And uh, would have been it was uh, two thousand seven oh eight. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking in the in the in the in the crap years. Yeah. In, in the dregs. You know, when yeah. when the Blues were looking for any hope whatsoever, and uh, yeah. he was he was the, the idea was to bring him in as a young guy, and maybe he replaces uh, Manny Legacy. You know, at that point, we're talking about the legacy era here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fun fun fact actually, Toivonen uh, just retired last year. He actually played a long uh, minor league and uh, a Scandinavian career. He retired with the Maine Mariners of the ECHL last year. So there we go. Well, I'll tell you, there's one guy out there that nobody's talking about that I think fits the Blues 
system perfectly. He's hasn't played top level hockey for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Bit of a head case, but loves St. Louis and probably be good to play here again. Mm-hmm. Bergelin. He's playing in the top level in Sweden. Our, our, over. Patrick right? Berglund. Berglund. Mm. Sorry, I'm bad with names. Uh, but Berglund. Hmm. I, <laughs> you know, Berglund has status with me very similar to Ryan Miller in that mm-hmm. I couldn't stand him when he was with St. Louis. He's a big six foot four. 220-pound ox of a player, and he plays as soft as a Charmin, you know, roll of toilet paper. And as and at times, played as well as one. Okay. I was not a fan of his, but I will say, you know, I will say this as a comeback, as a, you know, third-line type of a guy, you know, a guy competing for bottom six with the Blues, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. There's there's something that you've got to look at that's different between when he was here and now. And when he was here, it was yo. It's Hitchcock and yo. And they were not Hitchcock was, believe it or not, has has salty as he was, he was a bit of a player's coach. Mm-hmm. And and I say that because even though he was Hitchcock, players like playing for him. Right? Right. So that's what, to me, is a player's coach, if you like playing for him. Now, Yo was a player's coach, but not in that players like playing for him, that he more or less sucked up to the players instead of coaching the players. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, and I say that as I post my picture a couple days ago. This is uh, last week. This week was the three-year anniversary of the first game in, in Vegas, and that was the first hockey game I'd gone to in like th- four years. Wow. So, it, yeah, it was a lot of fun for me to go to that game, and, and I had a lot of great memories from that. But that now that you have Ruby and you have this – I'm going to use this term because it will fit later. You have this acid that doesn't act like normal acid. You know how normal acid eats things away, but acidic food can cook things and make things better? He's mm-hmm. that that acidic – element to the blues and I'm worried that it got lost a little bit during this playoff run you know the stuff that we heard after the playoffs about there not being a buy-in and all that crap mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of concerned me um when, when Armstrong talked about that that concerned me and and you hinted on a little bit when he had the the Petrangelo press conference or the Krug press conference and he talked about Steen being on long-term IR you know that's that's highly concerning, right? Yeah. Because we had four scoring lines. Now we maybe have two. So that's why I would like to see some type of veteran that can come in and and mix well with what we have coming up. It, it And like I said, Costin. It is time for Costin to show why he was the number one overall rated skater in 2017. Absolutely, it, it it it's time. I right? feel and, I I feel he's just waiting for his chance. I mean, he need he needs I mean, he he needs to be on a regular line with regular minutes, and I think he will outperform expectations. He just needs that chance. Yeah, I that, think so too. But you know what's stopping him? His penalties. He takes a lot of bad penalties. He is and, and, a, 
Yeah, he he tends to he he is uh, he is Clem Shady after all. He does he does like yeah. violence, you know. But so. you know, you could see him you could see him essentially maybe filling in like that Pat Maroonish type of role with a little bit more offensive upside because he is a guy unlike Berglund that is a bigger guy that uses his body. He will go out there and lay the hit that needs to be hit, and he still has the ability to score very very pretty goals at that as well. So it, it might just take some of that maturity level and kind of touching back on Berglund, you know. It's not a bad idea because look, you know, look who he came up with. He came up with TJ Oshie and David yep. Brown. They were the kid line. They were enjoying their lives as professional players, and maybe they, they didn't get the, you know, the the punishment essentially that they needed to kind of mature and grow as hockey players. And then you see what Oshie's done over in Washington. You've seen what Perron has become after you know, being in the league for a while, going to different places, playing with Sidney Crosby, going to the Stanley Cup with Vegas, and then coming back and really being a leader with the Blues. And then you see Berglund, who basically came to St. Louis, had a cushy life the entire time he was here. Then he gets traded to Buffalo in the Ryan O'Reilly deal, and he quits hockey because he basically left his bubble. And now he's enjoying a little resurgence over in Sweden. Maybe that's all he needed, and he comes back and actually uses his his body and size the proper way. That's why I think in, in your instance, Tom, that a bottom six low term, low cost deal might be a pretty attractive thing. And it might be that whole renaissance that brings him back and maybe back into the NHL. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities. I don't think it happens, but I, I could see it being something that could be a positive for Berglund and the blues. You know what I think Wags I think we have our fourth player for our Blue Notes question of the week poll here. You know, who would you like to see the Blues sign as a free agent? You know, that's that's going to be an interesting wild card. I'm really curious to see what Blues fans think of that because Berglund, as I said, was kind of a, a kind of a polarizing guy in St. Louis. You know, he kind of left you wanting a little bit, but at the same time, he. Oh, I, I, but everything all right? <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Oh gosh, gosh! You, you know, you, I I know you got a new mixer, and and, and it, it just like you know now, Wags. I I want his mixer now. I you know I know. Let's, I, I let's, you know what? Let's fly to Hawaii and take it. <laughs> well, you know what? That would actually probably be cheaper than buying the mixer new. You know that's that that's the sad thing. Close. That is. It, it would be very close because yeah, we, round trip it'd be yeah about even actually. It'd be yeah, about, even. about even. About even. About even. So, um, you know, speaking of your equipment, um, you know, you we, we're gonna have a live, fresh, straight out of the Hawaiian oven Aloha commentary uh, coming up right after we pay the bills here. Special shout out to Lance from the Drop Hockey Podcast for being the inspiration behind this. Very special live Aloha commentary to come. And by the way, you got to be looking forward to this uh, guy for nothing else, but you don't have to climb a tall-ass pillbox to do it. Oh, before we go, yeah. I, you know, look, look I, it took me all week to recover from that, by the way. I, I, I'm sure it did. You know, you sent me you, you sent me a private message today about your buddy, and and, and I want to put this out to, 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 to all your guys that are sponsoring or thinking they want to sponsor this. I would actually love – to be able to do some of these on the outer islands, you know, I could pre-record them, but, but I have to have some sponsorship and, and some, some ching to make that happen. So if we can, and I, I'm going to continue doing this guys. I love it. I know you're going to support my channel. I'm supporting you guys. Cause I, I, I gotta be honest. I, I listen to most of the podcast 
And the one that I enjoy the most has been this one. And and, and nothing, nothing I'm against Elizabeth. <laughs> nothing against Let's Go Blues Radio. Nothing against Two Guys One Cup. Nothing against any of the other ones out there. But you guys seem to 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 come at this with both the fan and the media mentality. And if you've Tom, I know you and me have talked a lot here lately. You know that that's what I'm trying to do, too. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what's missing in media is the fan. And, yeah. and, and, and that's why I try and bring the fan back into my show. And, and I think you guys do it. And, and, Wags, I've been on your other show, and you guys are trying to do that on that show, too. And, you know, open hand, anytime you guys want me to talk hockey, baseball, football, whatever – stupid ass sport you want to talk i'll talk you know whether i know it or not <laughs> cricket but that that's the the thing that really gets me with this you know you guys i joke with you guys right you know the the, the hey if you need me hi i'm here you know i joke around and i and i joke with you guys about certain things and but you guys have been really forthcoming and, and have not made me feel like i was the idiot the idiot jester, you know, and, and it's been so much fun and you've allowed my creativity to really grow. And, and that's something that you don't get in this business. And I think if people would see my show, they would see that that's what my show is, is creativity. Yeah, and definitely. And, and it's just, you, you hit on a point there about, you know, mixing, you know, kind of like a, you know, stuffy media, you know, authoritative, you know, mentality and, and the fans mentality. You know, it's it's uh, one of my biggest inspirations for doing this podcast and continuing to do stuff like this is Steve Dangle from um, he is very well known among uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fans. He's, uh, you know, he was kind of like the original fan reporter for them. And I had a chance to listen to his audiobook in the last year, which is worth checking out, especially if you're looking into doing something like what we're doing, you know, it doesn't have to be podcasting, it could be vlogs, could be uh, anything else in media, whether even blogs even. And, you know, he was, you know, he kind of talks about how that he, he, he felt that he felt, he filled a void where, you know, he has, where he's a balance between being entertaining and also being informative, you know, like, you know, someone in the media. Now, I think he definitely kind of leans towards the more entertainment side, but he can hold his own on knowledge as well, you know, and I I feel that's what makes, one one of the things that makes him successful is that he can be informative. He can be, he, he can, he can give you a good perspective on things, but at the same time, he can relate. He can yeah. relate to the you that that's watching or listening right now, and for me, I feel that's something that a lot of media people, you know, tend to lose grip of. You know, it's like there 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 is a certain mentality of like you know I'm in the media, you know I'm I'm the one that knows everything. I call all the shots. There is a bit of there there is a bit of an ego thing that happens in media, and you lose and and some lose that relatability. Some people yeah. I, I can I can say that about some people in the St. Louis market as well, yeah. and relatability is everything. You know, it's it's one reason it makes Tom Ackerman so successful in what he does is because he is a guy that you can re- he you can talk to him. He's a very pleasant guy and he talks at your level, you know. Yeah. So that's it's you're right. It's it's very important. I'm, and I'm glad that uh you know people are recognizing that and uh that this is just what we do. And Wags, you're also a media guy and uh you know, one reason I brought you on to this show is, you know, while we're all singing Kumbaya Kumbaya here and you know, giving yeah. each other a hug. <laughs> You know, is the fact that you also balance that, you know, kind of 
relatability, informative uh, seesaw there. Yeah, I mean, you look at it for me, I like to play sports, but I readily admit that I am not incredibly athletic. So this is kind of my outlet for being an athlete is like, I understand the game, but I also know I'm more of a fan than anything else. Yeah. And being able to kind of merge those perspectives and, and put that out to people and say, look, you know, we get on these athletes for what they do, but being on the other side of it, I also know how, how difficult it is. So being able to bridge that gap, but also being that, that authority figure that people look up to and say, Hey, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. That's a huge thing for me. I want somebody to look at me and in, in, in our shows and say, look, I can learn something from this, but I also am going to have fun. Yeah. And and that's like you said, you, that relatability that's been lost completely in a lot of things, not just media. I mean, yeah. the relatability has just been gone completely in most of life. And you touched on Tom Ackerman and you know, he's, he's helped not only this show, but my other show as well. He's just so giving with his time. And you don't see that a whole lot in anything else anymore as well. And, and that, that holds true for you too, guy. I mean, you have been so giving of your time and, and your knowledge and your creativity that, I mean, I, I think I, I can't remember if it was a private message to you or on Facebook, but just, you know, we have been so incredibly thankful for what you've brought to our show and hopefully we've been able to bring stuff to your show as well through through listens and fans and, and just yeah. any of that stuff because it, basically we're, we're two competing podcasts and yet here we are merging together to kind of just make people happy and I couldn't be thank, more thankful for that. I, I, I don't look at it as a, that we're a competing podcast to be honest with you, right? I look at it that we're, we're – um, we're telling the story, the narrative from different points of views. Totally. Right? Yeah. You guys are telling it from a point of view of being right there. You're, you're in the center. You're in the epicenter. I'm telling it the point of view of the fan that doesn't live in St. Louis. I'm telling it at a point of view of someone who's lived and died with the blues, but had periods where he couldn't be that fan because he was out of the link or out of the loop or, or all of that. So yeah, some of my stuff might be dated. Some of my stuff yeah. might not be right. Some of it might be, what the hell are you thinking about guy? But at the same time, it's what I want to bring. And it's that connection to the fan. And I think that's why, and, and I want to hope that I'm not putting words in your mouth, but also to say a hi to Tom Ackerman. He's been on my show and <laughs> we, it took us a little over a year to get it together. But once we did, a lot of people don't know us. The first one we did, my audio was horrible and I refused to release it. I called him back and said, Hey, we need to redo this. And I thought he was going to tell me to go screw myself. And he came back and told me he, he was, I was so glad to do this because it shows me what a professional you are, that you weren't willing to just put it out there that you wanted to redo it to get it right. I'm happy to come back to you. And, and that's what made me feel really good to keep going after and asking for more interviews. Yeah. It really does. It really does help when you get that, you know, good peer, you know, review from that. And, uh, you know, and I can relate to you, Guy, you know, just because you know, like in, in my radio career, I bounced all over the Midwest. You know, I, I, you know, when I moved back to St. Louis in 2018, you know, I had been gone for 10 years, you know, save for a short six month stretch in 2012. So I know there's gaps in my hockey and blues knowledge, you know, from 2008 to 2018, because as you said, you know, yes, the Internet's been great and, you know, you can you can follow that. But it's different, just different when you don't live in the market and you have to seek out 
that information, whereas, you know, getting that information like fed to you almost, you know, when you live in St. Louis, you know, you, you, you run into a lot of blues fans, your family, they're blues fans, your friends, they're blues fans. That is so much more accessible. Whereas me, I lived in a lot of Blackhawks areas, you know, you know, Northern Indiana and like Northern Illinois, you know, so I, I got disconnected at times. So I, I can definitely relate to you. And then just, you know, one final thought, you know, just on the, you know, the fan media balance thing, you know, I always tell people that, I was a sports fan before I ever was an athlete, which was never. I tried playing when I was young, and I was not very athletic. Um, and I was a sports fan before I ever got into the media. And, you know, never never forget your roots. Never forget where you came from. I came from, you know, fighting with my dad over the uh, sports section of the Post-Dispatch when I was four years old. You know, he would pawn off the comics on me to satiate me for a little bit. But then, but I was getting that sports section, damn it. I wanted to see what my boy Todd Zeal was doing for the Cardinals, okay? I wanted to see what my boy Brett Hall was doing with the Blues. You know, and that started from a very young age. And I, that part of me will never go away. That's just, it just ingrained into me. And that's just, that's just the fact of the matter there. So, uh, all right. Aloha commentary live here on Blue Notes after we pay some bills. Uh, when we come back, guy, you will have the floor, and I cannot wait to see what you got in store for us here. You've been hyping it up on on air here as well as off air, so I know it's going to be special. So we're going to have a visit from Chef Armstrong. Chef Armstrong. All right, hashtag Chef Armstrong. Get it trending. Chef Armstrong here on Blue Notes. When we come back after we pay some bills. This episode of the Blue Notes podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? You know if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Have you ever wished she was smoother down there? She probably has too. If you're anything like me and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below-the-belt. Manscaped has us covered. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Whew! One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates growing areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's insane. If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code THPN. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heya, and previet, hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to keep updated on all of the latest news, scores, or standings from across the European hockey world, 
you want to get some insight from some very interesting guests discussing their stories with hockey and how the sport grows around in Europe in different interesting places, or if you want to keep updated with all of the leagues across Europe that are either playing, have been suspended, cancelled, delayed indefinitely, then do check out our latest episodes of the Europuck podcast every Friday as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a YouTube channel, the Europuck Podcast, and you can listen to us wherever else you get your podcasts. So check us out every Fridays and we'll see you there, folks. Aloha! I'm Chef Armstrong, and today I'm going to show you how to build a blues defense in the COVID slash flat cap era. Well, you know, the holidays are coming up pretty soon and everybody wants to make these special dishes. Well, this dish I'm going to make for you today, the Blues Defense, is very famous in Hawaii, just like Lion's Choice, famous for a reason, and it's called poke, spelled P-O-K-E. Well, you go to the store and you have this ingredient that you really, really want. However, this ingredient costs way more than you budgeted for. There's just no way in hell you can afford this ingredient. Well, you decide, let me figure out if I can do it. So you go home, you try and find the ingredient, you get all the money that you can, you go back to the store, and guess what? They're out of it. Aw, damn. So now what do you do? Well, you go back home and you realize, you know what? I have that ingredient ready to go, and this one's almost as good as what that expensive one was. So I'm going to take this ingredient that didn't cost as much and make it work. This is Colton Pareko. He's my main ingredient. He's the main thing that we want to make better. We want to enhance. We want that shot to be the howitzer and that he takes it and he learns how to use it right, and that he becomes that, that um, Norris-type defenseman that we all think he can be. Well, I got my main ingredient. Now, how do I make that main ingredient better? Well, I decided to go to the store and get me a Tory Krug. Tory Krug is a very good defenseman. However, he's a little more offensive. So with that being said, I've got to find ways to take this group of ingredients and make them all work together. Well, one of the things that I have with Krug is things that I can put in to help make this whole meal. The next ingredient, and this is kind of a very funky ingredient, this is uh, Justin Falk. And Falk is one of them ingredients that, some people like, others don't. Some people think that if you use this ingredient, it's crappy. And other people think if you use it right, it's very tasteful. Well, one of the things that we have to do with this ingredient is mix it in. We got to get it in there and make sure that this ingredient gets the things that we need. Well, now we've got, so we've got these main ingredients. Then we've got another ingredient that is going to help enhance and put all this together, but it's kind of a side ingredient. And that is 
our scandella. We're going to take our scandella and mix it in there. You know, he was one of them ingredients that we went to the store and we picked up and we said, ah, it might work. And we put it in the cupboard and forgot about it. Well, we can't put it in the cupboard anymore. We have to use that ingredient. And then we have our enhancements. Our first ingredient is our done. Done needs to step up and be that type of ingredient that really gets in there and mixes it up and becomes that tasteful, solid defenseman that we know he can be. So let's put a little bit of our done in the ingredient. Now, we've got a couple of side ingredients that we can use. We've got our Gunnison and our Bortuzzo, and we could use either one, and sometimes we can either even use them together. So let me take a little bit of a gun, or a Gunderson, put him in there, and then take a little bit of Bortuzzo and put him in there. And then down on the farm, we got some guys that are getting ready to come up and be better. So, and, and just for you, drop salt was already put in there, buddy. We'll put in, we'll put in the guys that we know can come up and help this out. We'll put a little bit of them in there and, and get all that mixed in. And now we're going to take this and we got to stir it up. We got to get it all mixed up. Got to get it all put together, all mixed up, nice and neat and, and ready to go. And then we got to take it and combine it with our main ingredient. So once we do that, we got to put it on ice. Got to put it on ice and we got to let the acidity of the coach come forward. Well, once we do that, give me just a second, kind of move some things here. Once we do that, we come out with this, what could be known as a very tasty treat called poke or the blues defense. Now, some people are going to love it and other people may not like it. But you know what? I say it's what I got. It's the ingredients I had and I could afford and take it or leave it. That's your blues defense. This is Guy, pardon me, Chef Armstrong with the Hawaii Blues fan saying aloha, mahalo, and I hope that you'll watch me on the Blue Note Fan Report and on my aloha commentary. Aloha. Wow. What we were what were we just saying about being a fan and being informative at the same time? I just learned something, Wags. I learned how to cook the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> that, that was amazing. I, 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 I yeah, I, I cannot. That was just incredible. Uh, the the way you were able to tease it and then integrate it, uh, amazing. And yes, the drop. Bake for eighty two games at thirty two degrees. Cut into a playoff run and serve it in a cup. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, hey, Lance, I just want to know. So it was you that that gave me the idea for this with one of your posts about wanting some of that good taste in poke, and it's how I came up with it. I just want to know if I did you, because you're my mentor, if I did you justice, buddy. That's all I need to know. Did I do you justice? Oh, you definitely did us justice. I mean, that was <laughs> that was that was incredible, guy. Uh, amazing stuff. You know what? I'm going to have to – Rewatch this and uh, maybe maybe make that on my own here. I'm I'm very I'm very intrigued that what blues poke 
tastes like. Yeah, definitely send us the ingredient list. You know, uh, you know, actually the actual ingredients, not the players, because I, I don't know if they would take too kindly to me lopping off a piece of Pareko. <laughs> um, but yeah. But I but I wouldn't but I wouldn't want and, and I hope I don't you know what I wanted to be able to do was break this down in the simplest terms because you hear so many people and they don't think about what it takes to make this put together. Trade A, trade B, trade C, do this, do that. Um, oh, thank you. Oh, Lance, thank you. <laughs> you know, I love you, buddy. You, you're, you're one of my best friends, man. Thank you so much. I, you he, when I started, he was the first guy that jumped on me, and he has been an absolute mentor to me from the get-go. And, and my show, no matter how small it is, has him to thank for the fact that it's still running. Yeah, and you know and, what? that just you we were talking about a little bit beforehand you know it's like you know we're we're not competitors you know and and i think you know guys like guys like lance at the drop they realize that you know we're all sports fans we all support the same team you know there there is absolutely no harm in you know going in together like this absolutely not we can all help each other out here you know and and, you know it's and really i mean to use a cliche make it a team effort you know so so big shout out to lance and uh uh, that was amazing. That was amazing. Bravo. Um, good stuff. So, and, and he uh, makes he makes a great point too because you know he, you're taking ingredients that on their own may not work, but when you put the right ones together and mix it up, all of a sudden you can create something beautiful, magical, and amazing tasting. So it, that it makes perfect sense exactly what you did. Yeah, I, I, it just. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And again, I talked about this at the beginning, you allowing my creativity to run. And and I'll be honest with you. Every time I do this, I'm waiting for you to tell me it sucks. We don't want to use it. I mean, that's my my, That's how I think, you know, but to be able to to do that and and I'm going to I'll be honest with you. I'm going to because I didn't record this. I know you've got it recorded for me or whatever. I'm going to cut that. I want to cut that section out. Go for it and put it on my Mm -hmm. channel. Go for it. Not yet. Do it. And I'll right. and I'll make sure to share it. It's it, it, that was great stuff, and uh, uh, we can't really top that now. That's that that's gonna be <laughs> it for the show because I I really just I I don't know what else to say at this point. Um, guy, well, uh, we, we could go we could go to Hawaii and jump a shark. Ooh, hey, no, no, jumping a shark's the bad thing. But <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is, and, and what I was trying to say later, I want people, I want blues fans, not just hardcore diehard blues fans but even the ones that just watch a couple of games or get in the bandwagoners whatever you are to think about hockey in a different way now i put a poll up i put a poll up on my uh twitter who's the best blues goalie and i got some really good answers that surprised the living crap out of me so you know on twitter you're only allowed to have four comment four 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 slots right four picks so I put Grant Fuhr, Jordan Bennington, and uh, Cujo, and then other. I got, believe it or not, I got the most votes for Cujo, which surprised me a little bit. But then I, I got comments talk. Say again. I said I voted for Cujo. Same here. And then I got comments saying Hall, Hall. Um, mm-hmm. I had Liute. And, and and I agree, you know, you you know holds the record for most uh, wins. What I didn't get, and I'm really surprised, I didn't get an Allen, but Allen's right behind Liut. I didn't get an Elliot. Elliot won the Masterson Trophy, 
right, with uh, Holic. So there's there's a lot of I, I just and normally that's the most ninety something votes is the most I've ever gotten in, in a poll. Normally I get like eight. So thanks for helping me get that up. But it was fun to get that poll out there and to get people talking. And I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna try and do some more. Um, I, I'm, I'm gonna talk about line. I might do a poll about lines or something like that. But I want to get people talking and thinking. Yeah. Because that's the thing that makes the groups better, that makes us better as fans, and that really helps us. And I do have a topic we can talk about, so you don't end this too quick on me because I'm enjoying it. Um, <laughs> I got asked from another podcaster that I know, what if you had to relocate a team, what team would you re- relocate and why? Mm. Right? And I actually had one that was off the wall, which probably surprises nobody but i thought the islanders should relocate to quebec i've heard that before and it's not as crazy as you think uh i i think i think isles fans are some of the more diehard fans that you don't really i mean you don't really think about the islanders too much in that regard but their their fan base you know they've been through some shit over the years And they 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 have stuck through their team with their team yeah. through the wars. Um, I've always thought Florida to Quebec would be would be a better move just uh, just because I mean Florida doesn't draw, they're 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 just not a draw, and then it wouldn't require too much division reshuffling. You would just have to maybe yeah. move a team down from the Metro to the uh, to the Atlantic, but uh, Islanders to Quebec that's not a bad choice. Um, also, by the way, we don't we don't ever suggest that the Coyotes move because uh, we know Corey and Richie from Sporty with Corey and Richie they watch this and they get very they get very upset and for right reason whenever people suggest that it's time for the Coyotes to move out of Arizona, which I don't think I, I think I, I think I think hockey can still survive in the desert. I mean, it's oh, it's, yeah. sur- it's surviving in Vegas. Why yeah, in Arizona? And, and, well, here's the thing that people don't get. Okay, the drop. We just, you, just, you just broke the rule. You know, yeah, we're, I know. We're, not, we're not moving the Coyotes. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, so uh, I don't think San Antonio can support a team, but I think yeah, I, Batman, I think he, I, I've heard that too. That Batman is big on on a team down south. There, there's a, there's a. I think there is a group ready in Houston. I think Houston's been always been always the kind of you know top pick there, um, but you know. I'm not. I'm not making those decisions. Thank, thank goodness. So, yeah. so yeah, that's that's a good one. That that that's a that's a very good one. Who is there? Anyone that you, know, you would move wags? Not not really. No, because I mean, like you said, I think Arizona has a chance. I mean, they've got the fan supports. It's just the arenas in a bad spot and everything else around it. They don't do a whole gr- a great job of marketing their team. I I don't believe, but they've got a very good fan base, as evidence, you know, by. Corey and Richie show. I mean, they, they have a good fan base. So them moving would be detrimental, I think, for, for Southern hockey. Um, Florida, yeah, I think Florida is probably the most likely to move if they mm-hmm. were to move. Uh, but I, I the Islanders one is very intriguing as well because they, they've been kind of bounced around, but they are they are getting a brand new arena. So yeah. I don't think that's, that's going to be in the cards anytime soon. But if they get that new arena and five to seven years goes by and they're still kind of the afterthought in New York. Mm-hmm. Maybe you never know. Well, my, my thought process, I looked at this from two different ways. One of the first things I looked at was like the NHL did with Atlanta when they went to Winnipeg. What, 
move is going to get me more fans than I'm going to lose. Yeah. And by moving a land, uh, the Flames to or the Thrashers to Winnipeg and making them the Jets, they gained a lot more fans than they lost. They did. Well, in New York, you have such a glut of teams that if you move the Islanders, I can't move the Rangers as much as I would think about that. They're an original six. That ain't going to happen. But if you move the Islanders up to Quebec, first of all, Quebec is not, it, it's, it's pretty close. It's not super far away. It's not that far. You, you, you can still get the games. The games can still be played. You can still be an Islander fan, even if they're the new Nordiques. However, what you also have, uh, Buffalo, you have Toronto, you have the Rangers, and you have the Devils right there. Now, I know that there's a rivalry between the Rangers and the Devils, but, are not the Rangers, the Rangers and the Islanders, but in year, recent years, that's cooled a lot. So, yeah. that may change. By the way, one final thing, uh, we, we do have to get off here eventually. Oh. I, have be, I, I have to be up for work at two, in, in about uh, five <laughs> hours. So Yeah, that's um, right. I forgot but, about that, buddy. By the way, the drop, uh, Lance, uh, mentioning the Islanders arena is going to be great. I have seen the 3D rendering of their arena. I saw that, too. And that's that's going to be a pretty swanky place when the, once that gets going. So they might be rooted there for a while. But one final thing here, while we're talking about you know moving teams and markets getting getting hockey, do either of you would either of you want to see a Kansas City NHL team? Absolutely. Yeah. That, yes and yes. Absolutely. Uh, you know why? Why? I want that rivalry. I want a good in-state rivalry that we're in the same division, we're in the same league, we're in the same conference, that we're fighting it every, just like Cardinals-Cubs, yeah. right? If the, if the Royals were in the National League, we would have a bigger rival with them than we do with the Cubs. An interstate rivalry, and I would absolutely love it. Any concern? You, any concern about a Kansas City team maybe taking a little bit of a bite out of revenues for the Blues? Because that's always been kind of the, um, you know, thought with like the Chiefs, for instance. You know, and then you know the Chiefs now that the Rams are out, they can absorb the St. Louis market. Well, I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans that are Blues fans, or Kansas yeah. City fans that are Blues fans. Are you worried about worried, worried about losing them? No, and and, and you know why? why? Because of KMOX. Because I know the Blues are not on KMOX right now, but they've been on it enough and they, they move enough to keep that knowledge out there. And that's why there's so many, that's why Blues fans are so worldwide, even more than some other teams, is because of that 50,000 watt power station. Yeah. And, and that's what with the Cardinals, you know, Same they were the yeah. furthest team west of the Mississippi for decades. So you, so Wags, you would like a KC team? Yeah, I do. I, I actually remember back when you know Pittsburgh was going through their their sale, and there was talks that they actually might move to Kansas City. And I remember that? You imagine that rivalry and having Crosby and Malkin and all those guys in the same <laughs> division, just a couple hours away. More reason uh, I would to actually, hate them. Yeah, I mean, I was salivating at that point because I wanted to go up against the best. And granted, that was back during the the doldrums of the Blues. Uh, you know, not, not so great part of the two thousands. Uh, but that would have been a really interesting thing. But yeah, I, I think, you know, Lance is right over the drop. The money financially probably isn't going to work, yeah. but 
it would also allow you to eliminate those games against Colorado and the fact that Arizona is going to be joining the Central Division when Seattle comes in as well. It actually might help with some more realignments and some more, you know, centralizing the games so that they all start at the same time. That's the reason that Columbus and Detroit moved out of the Central was because they wanted game times that fit more of their time zone. Whereas mm-hmm. now you've got the Central and then you've still got Colorado and you're going to have Arizona coming into it. So it might actually help in that aspect as well, keep things a little bit more streamlined as far as time zones are concerned as well. But yeah, the rivalry you've seen what Nashville's got, you've seen what we've got with Chicago um, to have another one of those kind of rivalries right around each other. I, I would be totally down for it. And I was rooting for the penguins to move to Kansas city for one reason. And that is to see what would happen if Mario Lemieux had to go up against Chris Pronger yes. multiple times a year. Who would win that battle, Lemieux or Pronger? Guy, who who would your pick be? Oh, that's putting me on the spot. Yeah. Oh man. The unstoppable. Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna object. flip a coin. I'm gonna call it a coin flip. I I think the two the two of them, they're 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 such mirror images of each other, and their work ethic was so legendary that that's the uh, um unstoppable object or unstoppable force and the immovable object. That's and what people, I'll call that. And people forget that Lemieux was a big boy too. Yeah. I mean, he was, he, he was, he was no lightweight at all. I mean, like Gretzky was, a, was a smaller player, but according to uh, hockey reference, uh, Lemieux, uh, six foot four, 230 pounds. I mean, you know, that's uh you know, I mean, he, he wasn't, a, I don't think he was the most physical player out there, but he would take a penalty here and there. Like he had a hundred penalty minutes and close to it a couple times in his career. People forget about that. Uh, with, with I, I'd still go with uh, Lemieux, though, because he would he was so smart and knew where everybody was at on the ice that he would never allow himself to get into a situation where he'd have to go up against Pronger. So it, it wouldn't be so much that he would overpower Pronger. It'd be more of the sense that he would never be in the same area as Pronger and never allow himself to be near him when that yeah. happened because I, I think even Mario Lemieux would have been scared of Chris Pronger. Yeah, Lance from the drop pointing out that I'm biased because I know Pronger, but Pronger was nastier, and he's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think maybe Mario's career would have been shortened if he kept going up against Chris Pronger. I mean, that's, that's you know, Pronger was just, he was so nasty. I mean, he, he would kind of infuriate me at times, though, because he, he was also a guy that would take a dumb penalty here or there. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the price you pay when you, you know, when you're Chris Pronger and you play play that nasty. So All, all you have to say about Chris Pronger is, is Justin Bieber. And everybody loves him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I can and I can confirm. I've seen Chris Pronger in person. He is very tall. He is very very tall. The guy is just all legs. I mean, he's 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 a giant of a man. Uh, good guy though. Very good guy. Um, by the way, so we're gonna wrap things up here on Blue Notes after a uh, eventful uh, ninety minutes here. This is the off season. There's nothing going on with the Blues, and we just had a wonderful ninety minute conversation with Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan. And we are going to take his advice, and we're going to be posting a poll here uh, later on Sunday. So by the time you listen to this Monday on the podcast, it will be up. And uh, that is, is there a remaining unrestricted free agent that you would like the Blues to take a flyer on uh, for a cheap contract? And uh, we'll probably uh, we'll have Patrick Berglund as one of the options just just to see what people say. You know, just you know, it, it's kind of like the. Kind of like the poll we did with the captaincy last week, you know, where, you know, we we had everyone retweeting Ryan O'Reilly. But I just wanted to see what people would say and how, how people would react. Uh, but there's a couple options. We'll we'll have that for you here. The giveaway this week. We're, 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 yes. 
Um, we're not giving away a Blue Notes t-shirt this week. We're not giving away a Blue Notes gator mask or a cloth mask or any sort of mask at all. Um, due to a uh, shipping error from the people at GameStop, uh, this week for retweeting and following Blue Notes, uh, only followers can win. Uh, and if you have an Xbox One, we are giving away a copy of NHL 21 for the Xbox One. And uh, by the and in case you're one of those guys, and I don't blame you, that think, oh, well, it's just the same game every year. You know, they they never upgrade anything. The gameplay sucks. It's actually decent this year. The gameplay feels very good. They have the be a pro mode that's actually decent this year. And if you've been kind of on the fence about getting NHL 21, well, just go to our Twitter page at Blue Notes Pod and take part in our poll and retweet it and make sure you're following us. And hey, I might just send you this one absolutely free. So there you go. There's an incentive to uh, to take part in our Blue Notes question of the week. And uh, final plugs, guy. Anything you got coming up? Hey, where where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at at Hawaii Blues Fan. Um, I'm also on YouTube. Uh, my show is called the Blue Note Fan Report. Um, I am working on a couple of interviews. I don't want to put names out because that always ruins me. But I do have some stuff coming out. Um, I'm working on an actual full show. I haven't done a full show in a while. I've gotten a fan in the game, pet of the game, and a tattoo of the game to put out. So I, I want to do like a season wrap up and, and playoff wrap up or, you know, wrap up of things and just how my thought process and all that and uh, put that out there. I'm hoping to have that out in the next week or so. And I'm doing some collabs with some other groups. So, and, and like I said, you guys, anytime you ask, uh, I'm going to raise my hand and, and throw my hat in the ring. So you guys got me and Wags, you know, for your other one, same thing. You know? and, oh, and, yeah. speak, and speaking of the other one, Wags, anything coming up on Crunch Time? Uh, nothing as far as uh, big time interviews just yet, but we are working on some things that uh, are going to be celebrating a couple of past world championships. Uh, okay. So we're going to be looking forward to some uh, potential interviews there. Uh, but uh, we're with you almost every night too, nine o'clock on Facebook and, and Twitter. Uh, you catch crunch time nightly. Unfortunately, I will not be on tonight because I am getting back uh, into roller hockey because I am now oh. fully cleared from my surgery. Yay! So I'm going back tonight to play some hockey. So I'll be doing that. But every night at nine o'clock, you can catch us as we wrap up the day in sports. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it seems like we might be in the doldrums of it, but uh, we still got the World Series. We've got NFL going on. So plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, make sure you join us uh, on Facebook and Twitter. We'll have a college basketball coming up as well, yeah. so it's not going to be. Yeah, well, go Billikens uh, for me. Um, and uh, I wish you luck on your quest, Wax, to find a guest bigger than me. So, you know. Oh! Just saying. Just it is saying. going to be difficult. It is going well, to be difficult. Well, he already did well, it. He had me on. Now, I, I, I said bigger. I didn't quantify that. You know, I'm like bigger in size. You know, I'm a, I'm a big guy. So, you know, good, good luck finding anyone like bigger than me. Maybe you'll get pronger someday. Maybe you'll get pronger someday. Who knows? Who knows? We got He's the not... Puff Marshmallow on hold, I think. Ah, there we go. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap it up here on Blue Notes. I want to thank you for listening and watching because without you, there is no me. There is no Wags. There is no Hawaii Blues fan. And there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle.
you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.